What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, April 8th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Travel Anderson, and this is What A Day, where we're making it known that if we suffer a life-changing injury like Tiger Woods, we might not continue podcasting. Yeah, we admire his resolve. We don't want to make any guarantees until we talk to a doctor. That mic will still be there for us when we have recovered, and so will you, dear listener. On today's show, a power plant fire knocked out electricity for more than a million in Puerto Rico. Plus, New York's attorney general moved to hold Trump in contempt of court. But first... On this vote, the yeas are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. That is the sound of Vice President Kamala Harris yesterday reading out the vote tally that makes Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson the first black woman to be a Supreme Court justice. She will also be the first former public defender to sit on the high court. Yeah, I missed the actual historic moment <laughs> when this was happening. <laughs> There's YouTube. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll catch up. Um, but I did watch the confirmation hearings that did feel quite contentious at times. So how did the vote end up going? Yeah, so at first, Republicans did their best to paint soon-to-be Justice Jackson as a liberal extremist and someone who has coddled criminals in hopes of derailing her nomination. But when it was all said and done, three Republicans crossed party lines to support her, including Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and the one and only Mitt Romney of Utah. As the votes were cast, President Biden and Judge Jackson watched together from the White House's Roosevelt Room. The pair are set to attend an event today to mark her confirmation, though her actual swearing-in won't happen for a few months. She will officially become Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, which is a whole lot to say. You have to take a deep breath before you start. <laughs> when Justice Stephen Breyer retires at the end of the court session this summer. Yes, and we will all be thrilled until 40 years from now when we are begging her to retire. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, we will definitely keep you updated on all of that. So moving to other news, we want to do a deeper dive on a story we mentioned earlier this week. There was another report issued from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC. Like the others that have preceded it, the report's prognosis on the health of our planet was not good. In fact, among the findings of the hundreds of scientists involved across many, many countries is that global emissions need to peak by 2025 at the latest in order to have a chance of limiting warming to one and a half degrees Celsius or 2.7 Fahrenheit. That, of course, is just three years from now. If you have not heard much about this report, you can be forgiven because a lot of the political capital in D.C. this week was spent on effectively urging oil companies to drill more at this moment. So... For more on the report, the fossil fuel executives who seem to run our lives and the cognitive dissonance of watching the world burn and doing next to nothing, we caught up again with Amy Westervelt. 
She is an investigative climate journalist, the creator of the Climate Change Podcast Drilled, and one of the hosts of Crooked's Hot Take. Welcome back to What A Day. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we wanted to talk about some of the news of this past week. The last time we spoke was after the prior IPCC report, actually. Yes. So what were some of your takeaways from this new one? Two completely opposite takeaways. Mm -hmm. One, wow, we're in a really bad place. I think that they all but said, good luck, keeping warming to 1.5 degrees. That's not great news. They also uh, came out with the news that in the last decade, we've actually emitted more than previous decades. So like in the time that we've known the most, we've only ramped it up, baby. (laughs) So that's depressing. But, you know, once you kind of make it past the very, very bad news, there is also some really, really interesting for lack of a better word, visioning happening in this report where they included for the first time a chapter on um, what they call demand services and, and social impacts of climate, which actually means let's talk about how the economy works, shall we, in a very interesting way. I mean, they're like, okay, we assume that people need energy, but in reality, what people need are services, right? They need to be able to like get to work. They need to be able to cook their food. They need to be able to turn the lights on. So how do we solve these things in a low carbon way? And they they looked at it from every which way and they came up with, if we actually shifted our, our thinking and focused on services rather than energy and particularly fossil fuel energy to lift people out of poverty and make their lives work, that actually we could cut emissions by up to 80%. Oh, wow. We could give everyone a good quality of life at half the energy use that we're currently using. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like every time a report about the climate comes out, we end up finding out that the window to act is already significantly diminished. In this case, there's the warning in this report that global emissions need to peak by 2025 at the latest. I'm wondering how you would describe kind of the disconnect with that kind of warning alongside what seems to be a lack of urgency from the folks who are in power. Yeah, it's really depressing. I mean, at the same time that we hear, uh, we have a three-year window here for emissions to peak, I mean, we have a congressional hearing about gas prices where Democrats are arguing for increased oil and gas production. Mm. And actually, this was an interesting part of this IPCC report process, too. So whenever they put out these reports, they have a summary for policymakers that comes out, too. It's like the 65-page condensed version of this 3,000-page report. But the summary for policymakers is where government representatives get to weigh in on what they think should be in the report and what they think should be out of the report. And one of the things they thought should be out of the report this time was any mention of vested interests, Mm. which basically means not just the fossil fuel industry, but any other industry that might be worried about how regulations impact their bottom line. So I think what we're seeing now is actually the result of those vested interests really having total control of our democratic process. And so you have this total disconnect between what actually needs to happen for humans and <laughs> the way that politics gets played. Right. I feel like that one one and a half degree Celsius marker has been 
kind of fixed in my brain for a really long time. And it now seems like we're sort of maybe baking that into the cake. So what, what does that mean if we do fully bake that into the cake? What does that mean in practical terms? First, I think it's important for people to understand that, like, if you're just going by science, actually zero degrees of warming is what you want. Like, 1.5 was already a political compromise. That's not like oh, at 1.5, everything's fine. We're already seeing that right now, right? We've already seen warming and we're seeing what it's doing to the planet. We're going to see problems with uh, hunger, you know, being able to feed people with less and less arable land and with more and more drought. I think that you're going to see a lot more migration happening and none, none of that is planned for. We're looking at a pretty tough go of things from about 2050 onwards and increasingly difficult times from now until. I don't want to be a total climate doomer here because, again, there are things that can be done that are not even that expensive. Right. That was another big thing in this report was like, we can do these things at a very affordable cost or even mm -hmm. no cost. It just requires a shift in perspective. But getting the sort of political will together to make that shift is proving to be the big obstacle. I also want to ask you about uh, earlier this week, we saw the Supreme Court reinstated a Trump era environmental regulation that impacts the Clean Water Act. What are some of the ramifications of that? This is terrible news for a number of reasons. One, I think it shows us where the Supreme Court is at on environmental stuff in general. Not a great place <laughs> to be. <laughs> Two, the Clean Water Act is like one of our traditional bulwarks of environmental regulation in this country. So seeing that be weekend for the first time really since the 70s is very bad news. And I think that you're going to see fewer and fewer restrictions on things like that as a result of this. And I also think Clean Air Act is next. If they can get at the Clean Water Act, they're going to go for lots of other things. And the, the goal of the Republicans for a long time has really been to get rid of the EPA altogether. So I think that this is a step along that path. Mm. Well, thank you so much again, Amy. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. We will include some links to Amy's work in our show notes. And of course, subscribe to Hot Take and her other shows. More on all of this soon, but that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. The trial in the murder of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi will be relocated from Turkey to Saudi Arabia. Yesterday, Turkish judges agreed to the move, which was requested by Saudi Arabia because none of the suspects were in Turkey's custody. But it is a blow to human rights advocates, as well as Khashoggi's fiance, who argued that a trial in Turkey would shine more sunlight on the case. Activists also suspect the move happened for political reasons. Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is trying to improve relations with his Saudi counterparts. Back in 2018, a Saudi hit squad killed Khashoggi while he was en route to get paperwork for his wedding. Saudi Arabia already convicted eight of the suspects involved, but a lawyer for Khashoggi's fiance said their case would likely fizzle out in a, quote, country with no justice. 
Over a million people were without electricity yesterday in Puerto Rico after a fire at a power plant shut down the island's entire power grid. Officials had no choice but to cancel school, suspend public transit, and shut down government offices while residents waited for the electricity to be restored. Thursday's blackout is the latest power outage to illustrate how fragile Puerto Rico's electric infrastructure is after Hurricane Maria destroyed most of it in 2017. The incident also reignited residents' frustration Frustration with Luma Energy, the company that took over the territory's electricity system last year after the U.S. forced Puerto Rico to privatize its power grid. Ever since then, Luma Energy has faced backlash for corrupt dealings, price hikes, and bankruptcy. As of our recording at 9.30 Eastern Thursday night, nearly 500,000 customers in Puerto Rico are still without power, and Luma Energy CEO says it could take weeks for the company to find out what sparked the blaze that led to this blackout. Jeez. Uh, now a few updates on conservative lawmakers' favorite pastime, limiting the rights of people who aren't straight cis men. So let's start down south. Yesterday, Alabama state legislature approved a bill that would criminalize gender-affirming medical care for trans folks under the age of 19. The provision would make it a felony to prescribe puberty blockers or hormones or perform gender-affirming surgeries. If signed into law, any of these acts would be punishable by up to 10 years in prison. Moving over to Kentucky, Democratic Governor Andy Bashir vetoed a bill on Thursday that would have banned trans girls from competing in school sports that align with their gender. But the GOP-led state legislature will likely override the governor's veto next week and make it law because they clearly have nothing better to do with their time. Uh, and finally, in Michigan, Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer filed a lawsuit yesterday asking a state court to recognize the right to an abortion under the state's constitution. In the same lawsuit, the governor also asked that the court reverse a century-old abortion ban that may take effect again if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Whitmer, who was up for re-election this year, is filing this suit to ensure that abortion remains legal in her state, even if she is unseated by a Republican in November. The man who is the subject of a million lawsuits but never comes within a million feet of a courtroom, former <laughs> President Donald Trump, could have some new legal trouble in New York. The state's Attorney General Letitia James filed a motion yesterday asking a judge to hold him in contempt for refusing to turn over documents. The documents are needed for the AG's civil investigation into Trump's business practices, and she wrote in her request that they've been requested eight times. Either Trump's spam filter has no chill or those requests are being intentionally ignored. I'd like to go with the latter. Mm -hmm. James is also asking the judge to fine Trump $10,000 a day until he begins to comply. And as far as the criminal case against Trump in Manhattan, there was an update on that yesterday, too. The Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg Jr. said the case is ongoing and prosecutors are reviewing new evidence, contradicting speculation that the case was closed following the departure of two senior prosecutors earlier this year. Bragg told CNN, quote, investigations are not linear, so we are following the leads in front of us. And that is what we're doing. The cases of the New York AG and the Manhattan DA both concern allegations that Trump's company falsified financial documents to secure tax breaks and loans, leaving many people to ask why we can't do his interesting crimes first. <laughs> I just can't imagine being on the legal team for this man in any capacity whatsoever. Like, you don't even know 
what paperwork is which <laughs> at this point. They're not reading it anyway, so it's fine. It's totally cool. Easiest job ever. I can't even. It gives me a headache to think about <laughs> uh, all of that. It's absolutely insane. Uh, those are the headlines. We will be back after some ads with the emotional roller coaster that is the story of the Capitol Hill Fox. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, everyone's (laughs) getting flowers. Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. It's Friday, Watch Squad, and for today's temp check, we are talking about politics and woodland creatures and what happens when they intersect. In D.C. this week, the city fell in love with a red fox that was biting random people on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol, my kind of Capitol rider. Uh, <laughs> then came a period of mourning as the fox was euthanized on Tuesday. And later, a period of acceptance as it turned out that the animal had tested positive for rabies. This was 
a journey for me. Uh, the fox's behavior fit with that of a rabid creature. As one expert told the Washington Post, it is normal for mother foxes to defend their young and their immediate surroundings. But this one was, quote, traveling blocks to attack people, determined. One of the people who was attacked was Representative Ami Berra of California, whose wound did not appear to break the skin, but is still undergoing treatment. And if your reaction to this is like my initial one, i.e., what harm would it have been to look the other way and let one rabid fox go free? Here is word from a friend of the podcast, director John Mackey, who was maybe bit once by a raccoon and asked a doctor what the stakes were. It's funny. I don't think a lot of people understand that rabies is like a death sentence. It's 99.9% fatal or something like that. And I didn't know that until I went to the hospital after breaking up a fight between a dog and a raccoon and getting a little scratch on my hand that I thought maybe came from the raccoon. And the doctors were like, well, it's lottery odds that you actually did get rabies from this raccoon. But if you do have it, it's a death sentence. So you can get the treatment, which is based on your weight. And the doctor says to me, well, you're 285 pounds, which would mean roughly we'd need X amount of treatment, which would equate to... 17 shots you'd have to get today and then over the course of the next few weeks you'll have to get more of those shots i said to him i think i would rather die of rabies (laughs) than get 17 shots in one day i have so many questions (laughs) beginning also with how the interruption of the fight happened and what the actual (laughs) fight actually looked like between those animals i'm glad that john is okay so travel there is a lot to discuss here, but getting back to our late beloved rabid fox at the U.S. Capitol, what are your thoughts? Well, so first and foremost, I'm grateful to have this information from John about how deadly rabies is, but I can't help but to feel sorry for the fox. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, this all was woodland first before it was the U.S. Capitol. That's true. So the fox is just trying to, you know, reclaim its time, you know, in the words of Maxine Waters, right? And mm-hmm. we're the ones <laughs> interloping on the fox's space. It's really true. But this is why those of y'all who just like to go petting random animals, this is why you need to stop, okay? <laughs> but it seems like our biggest concerns as humans based on the sources that we have at this current juncture are, you know, raccoons and foxes. It seems like (laughs) they move relatively quickly. They could both bite and they seem like they both have a relatively high chance of rabies. You know, this is why I don't leave my house. (laughs) I don't have to worry about none of that, okay? I hope you never do. (laughs) Seeing a fox from afar feels like a treat, Um, but maybe they should stay far away because they might bite you. You must not have ever watched Dora the Explorer because the fox is the one that steals the stuff. Oh, that's true. And in this case, it was attempting to steal the health of (laughs) our members of Congress and steal their lives. Um, uh, We hope that everybody avoids rabies. Just like that, we have checked our temps. They are normal because we have yet to be bitten by a rabid animal. (laughs) 17 shots. That's a lot. And there were more after. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, support podcasters who choose not to podcast and tell your friends to listen. And if you are into reading and not just Trump's interesting lawsuits like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Travel Anderson. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and peace, peace to all woodland, woodland creatures. creatures. We are sorry for taking over your land. We are very sorry <laughs> for many things. 
for destroying the planet as well. Oh, you know? yeah. This could have been a retribution act in that sense as well. Who knows? It's all our fault. Yeah, it is. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.